Right, are you ready for this? You have no idea what's to come, so uh, be careful before you say yes. Uh, we've been in an uh, exciting season. We started the year looking uh, outwardly, so we launched our life groups all engaging because we've been praying for 52 baptisms. We want to be engaging with the world around us, so we looked at how we can all share the gospel through words, works, and wonders. I hope you keep pursuing opportunities to exercise yourself in these. Uh, I was traveling um, this week up to uh, Wales. Uh, I went for a day to Cardiff, which was fun. And uh, on the way back, uh, it would, like the train was absolutely heaving, uh, and uh, I, 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 had, I couldn't get my laptop out. I couldn't do anything. So I said, do you know what, Lord? I'm here. I'm available. Show me whatever you want me to do. And um, before I knew it, a lot of people came, went off the train. I got to sit next to a lawyer called Don, and we had literally two hours of apologetics, conversations about tough questions about Christianity. And uh, he wanted to know the hard facts about Christianity, what you put your faith in. And uh, it was just a wonderful conversation, really, uh, really inspiring. So uh, I encouraged him, nearly gave him my Bible, but he said uh, he spent enough time in hotels, so there'll be free ones around. Uh, and uh, I encouraged him to read it. I said, read it. And uh, so I got off, uh, swapped trains in Birmingham New Street, and it's like, all right, God, I'm going to now catch up on my uh, work to do. Uh, but he had different plans. Uh, I sat for another two hours next to Phil, uh, who was a, uh, a, a road engineer, and uh, we spoke for another two hours about faith. He'd done the Alpha course and uh, kind of never really stuck into church, so we had another two hours of chatting about faith, Christianity, and uh, it was just a great time. Um, uh, if you are waiting on an email from me, then you'll just have to wait, uh, because <laughs> I thought I'll pursue this opportunity and make myself available. But I want to encourage you, keep making yourself available for opportunities, conversations. You never know what might happen. And uh, I think uh, uh, for us as a church, salvation doesn't just happen by itself. God wants to use you. So use the opportunities that you have. So we're um, in the end of our Five Ways to Be series. After kind of looking outwardly, starting the year there, we've been looking at uh, not just the goal that we're pursuing and what we're going to be doing, but it's also the way that we're going to get there. So let me just quickly summarize. If you missed a few weeks or you've not been around, uh, we've been looking at uh, kind of who we are. So if you didn't know, we are uh, a community of followers of Jesus here at Life Church, and we live in uh, life in three dimensions. We live upwardly as we praise God and we honor Him for the work that He's doing. We live inwardly as we connect together one another, uh, invest in relationships. We live outwardly, sharing the gospel uh, with the people around us. Uh, what do we do? Well, we meet in rows here on Sundays, as you can see. Uh, we meet in circles uh, throughout the week. Uh, in life groups where we get to spend time together, hang out together, and uh, invest in one another. Uh, and then we try to join the dots by uh, being available throughout the week, connecting with the world around us, and being good news wherever we go. Uh, where are we heading? Well, we're uh, trying to build a community that's culturally diverse, as our wonderful city is. We'd love to reflect uh, that diversity together. Uh, we want to uh, reach the next generation with the gospel, as you've seen loads of young people around at Life Church. We believe that every generation needs to find the story of Jesus for themselves, and we're here to help them. Uh, we want to have a significant impact uh, in this city, uh, trying to uh, do good and, uh, and be a good influence, as well as being a resource for mission as we invest in our church, but also our city and even regions beyond. Uh, we're in a bit of a, a journey, as you know, that we've uh, been investing in trying to find a building that does mission midweek as well as Sundays and 
staff and opportunities uh, to serve uh, in the city centre. So those are some of our kind of upcoming goals uh, and uh, trying to invest in growing our church to a, a good size hub so we can multiply from there, investing in church plants uh, across the region, in Peterborough, to see uh, the multiplication of the beauty of the church. Because we believe in the power of the church, don't we? It's what Jesus gave his life for. He gave his life for you. And we believe that through it, the light of the gospel shines. Now, um, it's very important not just to uh, invest in where we're going and think about that. I think God has given us brains and uh, uh, prophetic words to do that. But also thinking about who are we going to be in the process? Because if we're just running after a goal and we don't really think about who we're becoming in the process, we might be trying to achieve the right thing in the wrong way. Um, and therefore, we've been spending time for these last five weeks to look at five ways to be important things that the gospel talks about, about who we should be in the process of what we're to achieve. Now, we looked through what Jesus speaks about in the gospels, and there is so much. I mean, we could probably talk about 500 things to be uh, when we look through the gospels and things Jesus had to say. But we try to kind of distill them down into five that kind of form the foundation of most of the other things we can read through in Scripture. So let's see if you paid attention. The first one that we looked at was being joyful. joyful. Uh, Christians should be the most joyful people alive. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah, that's not always reality though, isn't it? Some Christians can be really miserable. My friends, we are not going to be miserable at Life Church. We're going to be joyful. The gospel should make us happy and should make other people happy when they are encountering us. Um, the second thing is um, we're going to be courageous. Yes, it needs some nerve to follow Jesus into the world and obey the things that he says. We're going to make ourselves available for God to show up as we obey him. The third one is we're going to be welcoming. Welcoming. That's the, the, the middle finger in between all the other fingers. Uh, you're welcoming people uh, as a congregation. It's a very, very important one. Uh, and um, we want to make sure that everybody has somebody to hang out with at Life Church and to connect to. Um, the fourth one is being real. Yeah? being real. It's very, very important that we're not just going to be joyful, welcoming, courageous, and phony. We want to be real. Life is both good and sometimes bad. And if you're going to be joining Life Church, your experience will be great and sometimes not so great. That is what it's like to be part of a community. So let me warn you up front, if you're looking for the perfect church, this is not where you're going to find it. But we are going to be real with one another, forgive one another, hang out with one another, and invest in one another. And then the fifth one that we're going to be looking at today, uh, very appropriately, the last finger, the smallest, but definitely uh, not the least, uh, is going to be generous. We want to be a generous people. Who likes to be generous? Pay attention, my friends. Who likes to be generous? I can feel a few people I hesitated here. Like they're going to be asking me for money in a minute. Well, we might do, but no, I'm joking. Um, we've already done that, haven't we? Uh, the reality is that sometimes people find it uncomfortable to talk about money, particularly in the context of church. Uh, a lot of people complain churches always talk about money. Well, uh, the reality is if you preach through Scripture, you're going to bump into what Jesus had to say about money quite a lot because Jesus had a lot to say about money. Uh, it's very, very important. Now, uh, if we were just talking about money because we wanted money from you, then you have every reason to be suspicious. But Jesus didn't talk about money because he needed money. He talked about money because money is important to the way that we live. If we got a wrong relationship with money, 
everything goes pear-shaped. And I want to just talk uh, uh, some time today about what it means to be generous. Generous with money, generous with time, generous with your opinion of others, a generous heart. And the truth is we can only be generous when we really understand how much we've been given. Now, there's something about the New Testament that is, is, I find it deeply provoking. Let's just start off in Acts, Acts 4. You can see the birth of the early church. Uh, they've just uh, heard the good news of Jesus dying for them on the cross, rising again. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can see that that inworking has an outworking. And it says in Acts 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and in mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, or that there was no needy person among them. For time, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money for the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Wow. There was a real generosity that flowed out of the early church that you can see straight from the start. The way that people related to money and possessions was radically different. There was something about understanding how much Jesus had done for them that changed them. Changed them from the inside and changed them in the way that they handled money. Now, a wise man once said that uh, a Christian needs several conversions. The first one of the heart, the second one of the mind, and the third one of the wallet. Have you heard that before? I think it's true. The gospel changes the way that we feel about people and things around us. The gospel changes the way that we think about things and see things. And the gospel changes the way that we handle our possessions. Now, my friends, uh, possessions are a blessing from God unless you handle them wrongly and they become a curse that we're trying to hold on to. And the reality is that we need to learn what it's like to handle our possessions well in this day and age because we live in a world that does not know how to handle possessions very well, do we? By default, we will uh, uh, be living in a world where we get fed that you need more, 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 always more. We live in like the top wealthiest countries of the world. And yet somehow that's not good enough for us. There's got to be more, right? Who here considers themselves rich? Just hands up. Yeah. Well, who here considers themselves rich when they go shopping on Monday morning? Not many of us, right? We don't see ourselves as incredibly rich. We look at other people. There's always people who have more than we do. So we kind of see ourselves as well, average or poor. And there's always people who are more rich. But the reality is, like, there'll be a lot of people who point at us in the world and say, well, they are rich. They've got houses to live in. They've got cars to drive. And yet somehow, yet somehow, we don't see ourselves as rich. Somehow, we don't see ourselves as the one with money left over, right, left and center to dish out to anyone in need, do we? It's difficult. So therefore, we need the gospel to teach us on how to relate to our finances, our time, and our money. Now, you wonder, how did the gospel uh, produce such a generosity in the early church? How did they become so generous? Did that just happen by itself? I sometimes read that and think, wow, gosh, that was just there. That didn't seem like hard work. It just happened. You sometimes got that when you read those verses in Acts? I think the early church struggled just as much with possessions and generosity as we do nowadays. 
because there's plenty of teaching from Jesus as well as in the letters of the apostles to tell us how to relate to our possessions. It's not a thing that happens by itself. It's something that we need to learn and something that we need to grow in. So I wonder whether you were up for a bit of an adventure with me this morning to dig into some of the teachings of the New Testament to find out what uh, is the very foundation uh, of what it means to learn to be generous. Are you up for that? Gosh, that was not a generous yes, was it? Are you up for that? Come on. So why don't you open your Bibles to Corinthians 8. So 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely of their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. And at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need. So in their turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Let's just jump one chapter uh, further on. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give to what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Wow. These verses are jam-packed with wisdom on how to learn how to handle our finances and how to become generous. Now, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, uh, and uh, he tries to encourage them in their generosity. And he does so starting off by comparing them to the Macedonian church. Feels a little awkward, doesn't it? Here's a church that is really generous, my friends. I hope you're inspired. Somebody might even call it blackmail. Yeah? Is that true? Is that what Paul's doing? No, no, I don't think so. He's trying to inspire them. 
He's trying to inspire them with a Macedonian church who's not very affluent and shows them that these people had such generosity welling up on them that the gospel being at work. And he's trying to encourage them to be getting hold of the same. Now, last week we spoke about the gift day coming up on the 8th and the 15th of March. Now, this is not a preach about a gift day. This is talking about a culture of generosity. Uh, but part of that, I mentioned to you uh, the inspirational example of a fellow church in relational mission in Ipswich, Hope's Church Ipswich, led by Tom Scrivens. And they've been on the same journey that we have been. They've been looking for a building, a building to buy in the center of town. And they have had just incredibly breakthrough in generosity. Now, I told to you uh, last time that we were really encouraged by the way that we've been giving at Life Church. It's been really phenomenal. So last year, we raised with two gift days just under £50,000 altogether. I was like, wow, I'm so encouraged by people's generosity. That comes out of hardworking salaries, uh, time committed, sacrificial giving. I want to commend you on your giving and your generosity. I feel inspired by that. I also told you that I felt deeply provoked because I was chatting to Tom, who leads the church, uh, Hope Church in Ipswich, and he was telling me about their last gift day. And he told me that they raised £260,000 on their last gift day. And they do two a year. They're probably similar size church to what we are, uh, probably similar makeup. Um, and uh, I picked up afterwards when I shared that example, a few people felt a bit offended by that. And I understand um, when you kind of say, well done for your giving, but here's a church that's gone a bit beyond, guys. Um, it kind of feels like, ooh, what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to like, blackmail us? Uh, no, my friends, that's definitely not the case. I, I think there is a healthy inspiration when it comes to giving that Paul talks about here. He's talking about the generosity that is portrayed in others that should inspire us. Now, there's two ways of dealing with examples of generosity. If you think that you've already reached New Testament standards of giving and you hear that somebody has gone beyond, you might feel offended, right? However, if we all accept that we're perhaps not so great at giving and that we can all grow in that, then we can be encouraged and inspired by other people's example. So I went over this week to hang out with Tom for a day in, uh, Hope's uh, at Hope Church in Ipswich. He showed me their new building and he talked about their journey of giving. I mean, they've been on this journey for six years. Uh, uh, they've been going at one step after another. Their first gift day that they said was, uh, the goal was £100,000 and they reached 76000 He said, not quite there. It's like, man alive, you set a goal of raising £100,000 on your first gift day? Man, I, I wish I had that faith. Uh, and uh, he was just amazing, encouraging us to go for it. So um, Michael and I got to spend some time with him. We, we recorded a little video with him to encourage us in our giving at Life Church. So we're going to show that to you next week. Give Michael a bit of time to edit it as nicely as he'd done uh, the uh, Weekend Away video. Uh, and uh, be inspired. So I want to encourage you, my friends. Be inspired about other people's giving. Don't compare yourself. Don't feel offended. Be provoked. Uh, I felt provoked even hearing Tom's story about how he's been giving personally into this and trying to lead by example. As a leader, I felt provoked by his example. Now, if I felt offended, I would have come away and just kind of thinking, well, we're going to do our own thing anyway. Um, I, I don't think that that's how families of churches work. We are to be inspired and provoked by one another. Uh, so I've invited Tom to come and speak uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, he's going to be here on the 8th of March just to come and tell us the story himself and for us to catch something of their generosity and be inspired by that. How does that sound? 
If you're not there on the 8th of March, then I know how you feel about this, but uh, I think we should all be inspired uh, by this and uh, continue to strive on. Now, uh, when Paul's talking about uh, the, 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 the giving to the Corinthians, he's talking about wanting to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. There is something about the testing of love when we uh, look at the, uh, the, the, the topic of giving. When we say um, to, so if I say to Simona, Simona, I really care about you. You are very important to me. Um, uh, uh, it was Valentine's Day last week and I went to the shop and I bought you a milky bar. <laughs> Guess what my words and actions would result into? Which one's she going to take most? The milky bar or my words? Okay, she's going to measure my words by the milky bar. Let's put it that way. And the same is true when we give. When we say to God, we love you. I owe you my everything. Here's my milky bar. I, I, I think God's going to go, okay, I love those words. I'm going to measure them by your gift. And I think the reality is the way that we handle our finances, the way that we spend our time, it just demonstrates, it tests love. And um, when love really means something, it costs something. Jesus gave everything he had for us. He put his, like his actions to his words. And in the same way, we get to learn to get hold of the same. Now, when it comes to the privilege of giving, uh, Paul says, They gave entirely of their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. I love that. There is something about an eagerness to give, a desire, seeing it as a privilege, not just as a, oh no, this week we're going to talk about giving. I wish I skipped this one. I wish I'd showed up next week. Like, if that's what goes through your mind as soon as we start to talk about giving, then, then, then you haven't fully understood the privilege of giving. That's what Paul talks about here. Now, there's two approaches when it comes to giving. Either uh, you wish the Bible said something different about it and defend your heart uh, towards it, or we wish our hearts were different about the subject and we defend what the Bible says about it. Do you get that? So either we wish the Bible said something different about it and we defend our hearts towards that, or we wish our hearts were different and we defend the subject that the Bible talks about. When it comes to these things, it takes some vulnerability to say, I want... Your word, God, to shape my heart. I don't want to defend myself. Now, we can only really understand giving, uh, and we can only grow in giving when we understand how God is a gracious giver. He's a lavish giver. So it says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. My friends, God's not after your money. He doesn't need it. God's not after you paying something for him. He's already given us everything that we could ever imagine. He did not withhold anything. Jesus gave everything he had. Though he was rich, he became poor. Have you ever thought about what it was like for Jesus to become a human? So we believe that the Son of God, Jesus, became a man, was born on this earth, lived a life like we did, and then died on the cross carrying our penalty, and our shame. Now, have you ever thought about what Jesus left behind when he became a man? 
Let me try and help you to see a few of these things. You see, before Jesus came to earth, he was in heaven. Now, I don't know if you've paid closely attention, but all the religions of the world are about helping man to go from earth to heaven. Jesus did the reverse. He went from heaven and he came to earth. Now, we believe that heaven is a perfect place where there's no pain, there's no hardship. There is but pure joy in the presence of God. And that's where we are uh, looking forward to, to one day be. Jesus started there and then he decided to become a man. We have no choice about being here on earth. But Jesus chose to become a man. He gave everything he had. Um, Jesus had a perfect thing going between him and the Trinity. They were perfect friends. And he chose to leave his perfect friends in order to find us such imperfect friends. He was left behind by some of his dearest. Uh, he was betrayed. Um, he, he would never find the same friendship that he had, leaving that behind here on earth. Um, Jesus was eternal, without beginning and without end. And yet he became a baby, born, learning to walk again, learning to write again. Can you imagine? You're being like a, a harvest professor and you choose to lay all of that aside to become a baby again and learn how to eat food with a spoon. That, I mean, Jesus wasn't a harvest professor. He's like the God of the universe. And yet he chose to leave all of that behind to become mortal for us. With beginning and with end. I mean, incredible. He had a perfect home. I mean, the book of Revelation talks about the city of God. It talks about how the streets are paved with gold and the gates are made out of pearls and set with diamonds and stones. And then Jesus was born in the lovely surroundings of a drafty shed with cow poo right around the corner and some hay put into a manger. My goodness. That, that is a contrast, isn't it? He left everything behind for us. And he was clothed with righteousness, shining like the sun. It says the son of man in, in Daniel. And, and the reality was that he was stripped naked, dying on the cross, hanging there. A shame for all of us. He literally gave everything he had. Not just what he had on earth. What he had in eternity, what he had in heaven. He decided to leave all of that behind. Why? Because you are so valuable to him. Because he loves you so much. So when Jesus talks about giving, he is not talking about wanting a few pennies from you because he's poor. He's got everything he has in heaven. When he talks about giving, he wants us to get hold of the same heart that he lived with. Because he gave everything he had and it was to his joy. And there is joy to be found, my friends, when we learn how to live open lives, willing to give everything we have, like Jesus did. There is something radically different when it comes about learning how to be free of money, when we get hold of Jesus' love for us. It's not a hard thing to follow Jesus when you understand how much you've been given and how much we've received If you get hold of that, it will be an honor and a joy to follow in Jesus' footsteps, not to hold on to your very own clothes for your sake, but to learn how to share everything. Paul uh, says about the Macedonians, verse 5, he says, They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. You see, giving is first of all about giving yourself to God. 
before you give yourself to others. And giving ourselves to God when we have learned how uh, lavishly uh, generous Jesus has been is not a hard thing, is it? It's not a hard thing when you know what you've been saved from and what you're saved to. To say, Jesus, all I have is yours. All you had is now mine, and that's a lot more. I get to enjoy that, and now I'm going to give what I have. In verse 11, um, Paul says, Now finish the work so that your eagerness uh, and willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Now this is a crucial verse when it comes to giving. Who here likes giving? Who would like to be a generous giver? Who would like to live generously, blessing everyone around? Yeah, we, we all desire to give, don't we? I don't think many people would be sitting here, no, I like being stingy. I like the Grinch. That was a good movie. Not many people would go like that, wouldn't they? We, we like to be generous. But we don't always find it easy to be generous. So how, come we, like, how can we learn to complete our desire when it comes to giving? How can we learn to let our eagerness flow into actual giving? Because it's one thing to say that we'd like to be generous, but it's another thing to actually be generous. How can we learn how to complete? Well, this is where the rubber hits the road. I think this is where we need to make some practical plans to learn how to give. And uh, all I can do is just quickly share with you what sort of plans I make in the year to give and hopefully that will give you a few tools to get started. But you need to do some planning when you want to give. Because if at the end of the month, you've still got a bit of month left over at the end of your salary, you're not going to be able to give. There won't be anything left unless you plan for it and you prepare for it. So what we do, I mean, hear me right, this has taken me probably 18 years, so it's not grown overnight. I think this, like, I wasn't very organized uh, when I was 18, and I learned to slowly, bit by bit, put a few things in place. Uh, and I think now we'd probably have a, a pretty decent approach to giving. At the start of the year, we make a plan. Plans are good, my friends. Say to the person next to you, plans are good. Now say it again like you mean it. Plans are good. Plans are good. Um, what we do is very simple. We look at how much money we've got coming in that year. So if you um, uh, earn a regular income, you can work out how much you're going to get over 12 months. Uh, there might be a bit of child benefit or like uh, tax credits or whatever you could get. You can work out how much you get in a year fairly easily. And then we just work out how much we need to pay. So these are just like the, 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 the simple things, like roughly how much do we spend on food uh, each week? Uh, what's, gonna, what's the rent going to be? Like some people are surprised by their rent every month. You think, really? You probably could see that coming, couldn't you? Um, uh, you start to work out how much a car costs per month. Like you just kind of break down what costs money in life, and then you work out roughly how much that costs. And then you look at the year thinking, okay, this is kind of roughly how much that's going to cost. And then you look at so, some other things that are non-essentials, but fun things to do. So you kind of work out like holidays and gifts and Christmas and those sort of things, and you kind of work out how much that costs. So then you look at how much have I got coming in, and then how much I've got coming out. And then you kind of look at those two, and then you get a bit scared, and then you kind of start to think, how can I bring those two in line? Now, then you look at how much do I want to give? Because you don't want to start with how much do I've got left over, because that's not what the Bible talks about giving. He says, no, you want to give 
before you've got leftovers. You want to give sacrificially. Now, the Old Testament talks about the fact that the best and the first is God's. Uh, it talks about the principle of 10% probably being roughly uh, a good starting point for most people. So that's what we do. We kind of start with 10% saying, okay, we take that off gross income um, because that's what we get. And so we kind of give that and we give that to uh, the church because we believe in the church being the most uh, uh, influential thing in this earth uh, when it comes to stewarding the gospel. Uh, and then uh, from there, we kind of start to work out. So uh, in the year, we kind of want to go beyond that. So there might be gift days coming up. At Life Church, we know there's two gift days in the year, usually one around March, one around October. So we kind of start, okay, how can we go beyond? So we kind of try to put some of that. Now that means we start to look at some of the things that are non-essential and thinking, oh, that probably means we've got to like hmm, maybe shave a bit off our holiday money, maybe shave off a little bit of the Christmas presents um, and uh, try to work out what we want to do. Now, when it comes to these things, I think we start to then give ourselves some goals. So we have set ourselves the goal to grow in giving each year. So we try to percentagely give each year a little bit more than we did last year. So um, we kind of give the 10% to the church. And then we said, we'd love to grow towards giving another 10% outside the church to organizations that do good things. Uh, often for us, it means around families and helping people in poor countries. So uh, we've started uh, adopting three compassion children, one for each of our own children, same age, so they can understand the value of money and understanding that giving is important. Uh, we uh, support a whole bunch of other stuff around adoption and helping children, give them a good start or some clean water. And we've made ourselves the goal thing how can we grow a little bit each year into that so we're slowly chipping away each year to get a little bit uh, further ahead to when we get a pay rise kind of say okay rather than just kind of swoop that into the holiday money we just kind of try to give a little bit more of that so therefore we kind of grow a little bit each year those are good plans right yeah. really practical you can do that when you get a piece of paper it's not complicated you can do that uh, and you can work out so that way you work backwards now that means that when it comes to uh, our months we kind of know roughly what we've got to spend and sometimes we've got to say no to things and that's okay and then sometimes we allow God to go beyond just that uh, sometimes there's months that we hit and it's like oh my days this is a lot more expensive than what we thought it was going to be we're going to have to drop a few things but we try to keep the principle of never to drop our giving so we've just bought a house, um, and uh, you know that buying a house is expensive, right? So well, like, for months, we've been going through this process, oh my days, there's quite a bit of month left at the end of our salary. Um, and it's kind of learning how to deal with that. So we made the agreement not to give any less than we had done in the process and trust God. And he's been faithful every time. It's been difficult, but he's been faithful. And then it's learning how to give God uh, your... You're everything. Give him access to things that you don't really want to give him access. So we were grappling a little bit. So the gift day is coming up a few weeks' time. And as leaders, we want to lead by example, to give generously. And uh, I was chatting to someone. The reality is, like, with buying this house, like, we literally got nothing left. We've had to tuck in our overdraft, uh, which we rarely ever do, um, in order to pay a few bills. It's like, well, I don't feel comfortable just taking a whole chunk from the, from the bank and give that to Life Church. That doesn't seem right. But we do want to give. So I had a little conversation with God. How can I give? How can I give when we're in this season where we actually we don't have a huge amount? And then God took me back to the passage that I started uh, with in Acts. And uh, he said to me, hmm, here's a verse that might inspire you. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. I've just bought a house. I'm not going to sell that again. Um, 
But, but there might be some things that I own that I could sell. And then I ask myself a dangerous question. What would be the one thing I would not want to sell? No, I don't care about cars. My guitars. I don't, I don't want to sell my guitars. So I kind of, so I had this little conversation. Like, surely not God. Like my guitar, I've got a beautiful Corvette 5 Warwick bass that I had since I was early 20s that I played uh, in a rock band. I mean, I've got sweet memories of that. And, and, and really, the money, it's not really about the money. It's the value. It's the value, the emotional value of that. And I was saying, well, God, you really have the right to everything that I have. Like nothing I have it's mine. I'm willing to give everything. But my guitar? <laughs> really? Um, and uh, so well, I'm, I'm going to need some confirmation about this. Lo and behold, last night I had a conversation. Some of my friends and Simona. Guess what came up? The topic of a guitar. I've not talked about that for months, years really. And I was like, okay, God. So even as we were worshipping here this morning, I was like, come on, Lord. Surely not. Surely you're not going to ask me to give that up. That, like, I'll give you anything. Like, I'll tuck in my overdraft. You can have my car, not my guitar. Like, I can't buy that back. If I sell that, that like, that's, that's not just money. That's like, and God's like, don't have to. It's okay. But if you say that I have the right to everything, then I have the right to everything? Do I? Do I? And I said, okay, God. So when I'm sitting there on my knees, that wasn't a holy moment, me going, Holy Spirit, feel me. I was like, no, Jesus, not my bass guitar. Okay, Jesus, you can have my everything. So if you see a good-looking Warwick five-string on eBay, please pay a huge amount for it because it's all going to the gift day. Um, And um, I'm going to surrender to God what I have, even my most precious things. And um, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Give. Make plans to give. Giving doesn't happen by itself. You need to make plans to give. Prepare for it. Um, start with giving something, like every month. Like if, if you're not giving to anything to Life Church and you've been coming regularly um, uh, and the gift day's coming up, if you haven't given to Life Church anything regularly, then don't give to the gift day. Just learn how to give regularly first. And start with a little bit. Even if it's like 10 quid, I don't mind. But make a plan. Make a plan and start giving something. If you're giving something, when was the last time you reviewed what you were giving? Are you growing in giving? Do you set yourself a goal to learn how to continue to grow in giving a little bit each year just to go beyond what God has done already? If, you're, if you have nothing, if you're in debt and you're like, well, I can't give, I, like, I don't have anything. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. If, you, if you're well in your overdraft, it does not make sense to take money from the bank and give that away. That's not right. But I want to encourage you, get some debt advice. Put some uh, uh, helpful things in play. We've got life money here at Life Church, and we'd love to help people who are struggling with debt. We have dealt with hundreds of millions of pounds of debt, um, and we make budgets. So we kind of pay off uh, the, the people that you've been lending for uh, uh, with your plans and uh, your commitments on a regular basis. And then I would say, don't wait until you've paid off your debts. Once you've made a plan and you have put a plan in, pa- in place to pay off your debts, then also set some money aside to pay off your debt with God. Because the truth is, you also have a debt with God. It says that, that the first and the best belongs to God. If you don't give, you have a debt with God. 
And by not paying that debt and just paying your earthly debts, uh, like something's gone wrong. There's something about the eternal value of money that we can invest now. I mean, if you're paying off your debts, that's just paying off your debts for now. But if, if we are giving into the kingdom of God, that has an eternal reward. That has an, that's an internal investment. And you don't want to never get to that. I want to encourage you, get to that. And then, and then just ask God, is there anything that I have that I could sell? That I really wouldn't want to give to God? Really? Like, ask him that question. What would I not want to sell? And say, okay, if you're, I mean, you might not be quite there yet. That's fine with me. Don't worry about it. But if you're, if you're willing, ask that question. Pray that prayer. And let your giving go beyond where you are currently at. Let your giving become courageous. Courageous giving. That goes beyond what you can just give out the margins of your savings. That goes way beyond. At the West, we usually give out of the margins of our savings rather than that what really costs. And I want to encourage you, don't bring a sacrifice to God that doesn't cost. Bring something that costs and invest it. Now, um, when it comes to giving, uh, it talks about an investment. It's important that we see giving not just as a parting with our money, but an investment. You see, if you're going to think about uh, giving as just something to part, to, to part with your money, you, you, kind of, you, you haven't fully understood what it really means. Giving is an investment. It's an investment of what is to come. It says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, we've read this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There is something about exhorting one another to give generously because I believe when you give generously, there's going to be a reward. Sometimes it's not just in the kind of value of money uh, and sometimes it's not here on earth, although sometimes we, I mean, many times we have seen God coming through when we've given, he's provided for us and it's amazing. But there is going to be an internal investment where uh, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to get there and you will never have ever, 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 ever regretted giving courageously. When we're going to get to heaven, we're only going to regret not giving, not having given. So it's a little bit like my kids. I, in, I, I teach them the value of money, and I teach them that giving is a good thing. So when it's uh, mummy's birthday, I say, right, what would you like to buy your mummy? Well, if you're paying, then um, anything. Now, so they, I, I'm not paying. You're going to be paying out of your pocket money. Well, I don't have much pocket money, not as much as you have. No, that's right. Uh, we're not asking you to buy a new car. Um, it's just going to be something simple. Um, is that because we are needy parents and we need a bunch of flowers? No, I can live without flowers. Simona, maybe not, but I think um, <laughs> I, I, I can learn to live without. It's because we want to teach them the value of giving. And when they give and when they have given, there is joy. Look at that. I've given that. How exciting, expressing value, uh, your love to someone by giving money. Now, that's the same way that God views giving. He's not, he's not in need of flowers. He's not in need of your pennies. But he does want to teach us to live freely from the power of money and learn how to give so we receive joy in our giving. And that leads to the last part. Verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it's really important that giving is a, is, is a thing that you decide to do. So all I'm teaching about this morning are principles. 
And I'm happily going to leave that with you to discover and sort out what you feel God's saying to you. Um, but the truth is that, um, uh, that, 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 that giving has to come out of a, a, a joyful initiation of your heart. So we have given everyone permission at Life Church. Um, if you feel grumpy about your giving, you may cancel your giving. If you feel grumpy about a gift day coming up, we don't want your money. It's okay. Yeah? So if you go away and you felt grumpy, I was talking about giving this morning. You've got my permission. You can get your money back from the offering that we just send out. I'll give it back to you personally. Yeah? Uh, you don't have to give. You can cancel your standing order for the rest of the year. If you feel grumpy about giving, we don't want it. Why? Because grumpy giving is an insult to God. Grumpy giving is not something that will honor God at all. And we don't want to give things to God that don't bring honor to him. We want to bring things to God that honor him. So we want you to give generously and joyfully. Um, so if you're feeling grumpy about your giving, you're free not to give. If you feel happy about not giving, then can I encourage you? I think you haven't fully understood the gospel. And you haven't fully understood what a church family is like. Because when we understand how much Jesus has given us, we can't sit and just receive, be consumers. We want to join in and follow Jesus' example to give from what he has given us. Everything we have is not ours in the first place. Did you know that? Everything we have has been given to us by God. Did you decide to be born in the West? No. You could have been born in Africa and you could have been born with nothing. You could have been born on the streets and have nothing. Yet God generously gave you everything. You could have been born um, in a very, very wealthy African nation or uh, Asian nation or uh, whatever. Uh, they're, they're, we don't have control over that. But we do have control what we do with what we've been given. And the truth is that everything you have has been given. Everything you have. And therefore, learning how to invest that wisely is something I want to urge you to. So as your pastor and as your uh, spiritual father, I want to encourage you Give. Get hold of the joy of giving. There is something painful about giving and allowing God to have everything in your life. But when you do that, there's a joy that wells up within that you're never, ever going to regret. Not in this life and not in the life to come. Shall we stand together? Let's ask God for his grace. I've been so generously with my time uh, that if you've got children in uh, uh, pips or shoots uh, uh, settings that you might want to go and collect them uh, as we come to the end of our prayers. But hey, there's free, free 10 minutes for all of us, isn't it? Jesus, we want to thank you for your amazing love to us. We want to thank you for the way that you did not hold back anything. When you died on the cross, you gave your everything. Thank you that you left the perfect heaven, the perfect relationship with the Father, and the, the, the city of heaven with its golden streets and uh, gates of pearl to come and be born in a shed, a drafty shed. Well, you died naked on the cross with nothing, abandoned by all your friends. Jesus, we want to thank you that you did not hold back anything. And Jesus, we want to say the same to you and say, Lord, have my all. Lord, I, I, I do not want to have anything in my life that is not at your disposal. Jesus, I want to say you have right to everything, everything I have. And Jesus, I want to ask you, come and give us the grace of giving. Lord, where we become joyful in our 
giving. Lord, we thank you for the examples in Scripture and that we see around of those who've gone before us and have experienced the joy of giving. Lord, I want to pray that you'll come and birth a real culture of generosity in us. Lord, we're not just raising money for a new building, Lord, Father, so we can all huddle together and have a nice time. Lord, we believe, Lord, that we want to invest into the kingdom and way beyond a building, Lord, way beyond that, investing in mission, investing in our city, investing in, in this community, Lord, Father, so we can see the gospel shining brightly. Lord, we pray that you will come, make us a generous people after the heart of your son. Everyone said, amen. amen. Be blessed. It was great to spend the morning with you.